worked really hard on that intro video. Hope you liked it. You look good. My watch says I'm working out again. I'm not. Um, so we're starting one of my favorite series that we do every year, um, where you get to ask me questions because half the time I don't even know what's in your all's minds. You know what I'm saying? And so for y'all listening online, you missed out because you didn't get to turn in a question. So um, I thought I'd get more laughs about that. But um, on a bright note is this, is that you can still turn in questions. What we're going to do is, like always, we're going to take about three weeks. We're going to pick one question every week to answer. And then the last week, we'll just shotgun the rest of them. And hopefully, we'll, uh, we'll get, get some good, hopefully I'll give you some good answers and not leave you even more confused. But... Um, I want to begin today by just reading for a second. Is that okay? Now just read for a second. Okay. Hebrews 12, starting at verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched. A blazing fire, just to give you a background, this is in reference to Moses standing on the mountain, seeing God face to face. Okay? For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches this mountain, it shall be stoned. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. Did I skip one? Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels and vestal gatherings, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, to the God, the judge of all, and to the spirit, spirit of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of our new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which screams from heaven forgiveness, that speaks to a better word than the blood of Abel that that yells from the ground justice, one translation said. Why did I read that? Because it's to this Christ, through his blood, that gives us forgiveness, that we can cry out to him with boldness. Because our friend, John, in one of his letters to us, he wrote this. He said, and we are confident that he hears us. The same God that left Moses trembling. The, the same God who said, even if an animal touches this mountain that I have shown my face on, even if, a, if, a, if, a, if an animal touches it, it should be killed. He hears you. Like, that should leave you excited. <laughs> and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us, when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Why? Why is that? Why is this God, who Moses stands in front of and trembles, says he trembles, that we are able to approach boldly before the throne, that we can walk up that mountain as his children and face him face to face? Why? Why? And I love what Isaiah wrote to us. In Isaiah 59.1, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. Ooh, yeah. This God that left people trembling, this God that left a crowd of people saying, no, Moses, you speak to us. 
You speak to us for God. Don't let God speak to us. He can hear you and wants to speak to you directly. So you may ask why I started out this way. And it's because many of us have been praying prayers that on the surface seem like they're just hitting a ceiling. Right? God, I don't know how long I've been praying for this, God, and you're just seeming like you're not answering me. Or maybe it just feels like you've prayed this same prayer over and over and over again, and you're just like, does, is God, does God even care? Does God even care? <coughs> or maybe you're praying this prayer, right? And you've been praying, God, you've been fervently after God about this prayer, about this, and, and it just seems like God's answering it, but it's going the total opposite way of what you've been praying for. Anybody ever have that happen? Hello. All the time. Apparently I have a kiss. I'm praying for the wrong thing. And God wants you to know that he hears you. Even when you feel that way. He hears you. He hears our prayers. It's him saying, I hear you. And here's that thing. I want you to leave here today shouting the title of that song. At the end of this, I want you to leave here knowing what, what God, how God hears us. I want you to leave here like this is too good to not believe. So here's the question that was submitted by you that we are going to answer today. <coughs> I kind of feel like they're calling me out a little bit in this question, just to be perfectly honest. So if you're going to, if you're going to call me out, as God told Job when Job starts to question God, dress for action like a man which means put on a cup we're about to throw down. All right? If you don't know what a cup is, ask your husband or your wife. Or not your wife. Ask your dad. All right. You all see that one, what's that one movie, Little Giants, where the person puts the cup on their face? <laughs> like, that's not where it goes. Woo! So here's the question. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to call you out here in a minute, too. I, mean, I don't know who wrote the question, so I'm not going to call you out, but I'm going to explain Here's the question. If you believe that everyone has a set time to go, this is they're calling me out because um, a while back I said nobody dies early. Okay? If you believe, if you believe that everyone has a set time to go, then why do we pray for them to make it through near death situations? And what should we pray? What should we pray? And so first let's tackle this one. If you believe that everyone has a set time to go. And this is a little bit more than just a belief that I have. I believe it's biblically true. And here's why. In Hebrews 9, 27, it says this. And just as it is appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes judgment. The Greek word that you can translate the word appointment from is this Greek word called anadikineomi. Fancy, isn't it? I'll say that to you later, baby. Anadikineomi. Which means, in the Greek, to appoint or to establish to or to proclaim that. Okay? So here's, here's to give you, give you an example, and then we'll get into the meat of the thing is, I work for Knox County Schools, and when, a, when, a, uh, when the superintendent goes to, um, goes to place a new principal inside of a school, what happens is a super, the KCS superintendent establishes a new principal in the school. He sends a letter out called an administrative appointment. Okay, or an administrative anadikinumi, which is him saying, we anadikinumi, or establish on this day, insert name of person as principal of, 
said school. All right? Because it's an anadikonomi appointment, establishment. So we can take this verse. If you're going to go back just for a second, even though you're going to have, I should have put it in here twice. So we can say that this verse that says, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, we can say it like this. This would be the Derek translation version. Okay, it would say, man has an established day or proclaimed day to die and face judgment. It's appointed to man once to die. Okay, all right. Even our friend David, King David, royal priest. Y'all know that um, MacArthur means son of King Arthur? Y'all know that? So you're in the presence of royalty. You married a king, babe. Even our friend David wrote to us in Psalms 139.16 about our days being numbered. What's this? Go to Psalms 139. Yeah. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when yet there was none of them. So here's David amongst several verses in the, throughout the Bible that talks about your days being numbered. David's saying, you knew how many days I would be living. So, Nobody dies early. It's not just a belief of mine. It's biblical. Okay? Nobody dies early. Everybody has a set time to die. Well, Derek, what about suicide? Legitimate question. Legitimate question. All I can say in all of my studies is this. Uh, anything other than to say, I can't say anything other than to, again to say, our days are numbered and it's appointed to man wants to die. And it's one reason why I can't agree with some in our, in our faith that believes suicide erases your salvation. Because if your day, it's just, that part of it's my opinion, okay? It's just me. Okay, that's where I'm like, here's what the Bible says, here's Derek's opinion. Because if it's appointed, the man wants to die, I'm not saying suicide is right, so don't go do that. Seek out help, okay? Please. What I'm saying is, it's appointed, the man wants to die. And so if it's appointed, the man wants to die, how can I say, because a person commits suicide, they lost their salvation. Because I can't really believe you. I don't believe you can lose your salvation to begin with. So, you with me? Because here's, I mean, just on a side note, it's not part of the question. Because, how, like, if you can lose your salvation, well, how many sins do I have to commit before I lose my salvation? Or what one is the big one? Or what if I cuss right before I wreck and die? You with me? So, just saying. That's just me. So let's get to the meat of it. You ready? Guess not. All right, everybody ready to go home? Right, here we go. Here's, here's, why do we pray for them to make it through de uh, near-death situations? Or, and what should we pray for? But first, we have to understand what prayer is for and what it, what it does. Here's number one here I want you to write down. You should take a note. Prayer is keeping you connected to the source. Prayer keeps you connected to the source. This is the first thing you have to understand about prayer. Prayer keeps you connected to the source. And the source is what? Jesus, our Father in heaven. Here's what Jeremiah 29, 12 says. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray, pray to me, and I will hear you. Again, he hears us. He hears us. Then you call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. You will seek me with all your heart. It keeps us connected to the source. Prayer keeps us connected to the source. I believe this morning God wants me to encourage you a little bit and just say that since you're connected to the source through your prayers, your prayers do make a difference when you pray. 
your prayers do make a difference when you pray. Rather that be in you or in the world, but mainly you. Mainly you. I'm going to say it again so you get the point. Mainly you. And here's why. <clears throat> the prayers of a righteous is this is, um, in, this is NLT. I'm going to read two different versions of the same verse, okay? James 5, 16, the last part of the verse that says, The prayers of a righteous person has great power as it is working. It's working because it's making a difference either in you or in the world, but mainly you. And I love the way that the message remix version says this same passage. He says, it says this, the prayer of a person living right with God or connected to the source is something to be reckoned with. Your prayers are unstoppable. There is no ceiling that's blocking it. No ceiling. As long as you're connected to the source. You can walk into a situation that's in chaos and you can speak peace. You can walk into a room in need of healing and pray for healing. Your prayers are powerful. But the question remains, why do we pray and what should we pray for, right? Because that's the question. It's a question. I'm not going to get to that yet. Just saying. I need, to, I need to build your prayer a little bit. Jude 1.20 says this. But you, dear friend, as you build yourself, build what? Yourself up in your most holy what? Faith. Praying in the holy what? Spirit. Praying in the Holy. What does prayer do? Prayer builds our faith. Prayer builds our faith. In those moments when we're seeking after God, our faith builds in our Father, right? As you seek after God, rather if you've got an answer or not, don't you, just, don't you just go to your Father and go, God, I believe, I believe. Can you just do something about this situation? Can you, can you heal this? Like it, you begin to build, it builds your faith. The Spirit begins to build your faith. It's like when Zane was little, not so much anymore because his toys are too complex for me. It would be like Zane bringing me his toys when he was little and he would go, Daddy, can you fix this? Because he had faith in his father's ability. Not necessarily because he'd seen his father do something before, fix something before, because if he really knew, I really didn't know how to fix things. Especially now, because his toys are a little bit more complicated. But it builds our faith, not because of an outcome, but because of who his daddy is. Because he knows his daddy can fix it. And here's why this is important to understand. This is a big one. It's going to freak some people out. And I don't want you to freak out. So if you have a problem with it, email Justin, okay? Prayer isn't for God. It's not. Prayer is for you. Prayer isn't for God. Prayer is for me. It's for me because I need my faith built. Because it connects me to the source, our Father in heaven. You don't believe me? Let's just keep figuring out what prayer is. Psalms 33, 20. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Prayer builds faith. But prayer also builds hope. Hope. As our faith builds, our eyes are fixed on him. Our hope is in him. Because here's the deal. Hope is not found in what you're believing for. My hope is not in your healing. 
Because guess what? You may get that healing and one day you will still die. You may get that peace, but guess what? Next week, something's going to happen that will interrupt that peace. You with me? Hope is not found in what you what you're believing for, but it's found in who you're believing in. It's all about who it's in. It's all about who it's in. I don't look, it's kind of like this, it's kind of this, I don't worship the miracles that Jesus does. I worship the miracle maker. You with me? I worship the wonder-working God. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. I think we often come to the altar on that one, can't we? But in everything by, what's that word? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So prayer builds faith, prayer builds hope. And when we have faith and hope, prayer gives everything to sustain us. Prayer gives us everything to sustain us. Have you ever left your prayer closet? I'm not saying you have, you're actually have a prayer closet, but you lift those moments of prayer and you feel so refreshed, you feel sustained that you can make it through the day. That's because prayer sustains when we release it to God the burdens come off of us and we can wait. That's why if you release what's in your hands, then God can release what's in his. Because until you, while you keep holding on to it, there's nothing he can do with it. You with me? That's why we give. That's why we pray. That's why we serve. That's why we, because it sustains us. It sustains us. It, prayer builds our faith, builds our hope by keeping us connected to the source Prayer gives us everything to sustain us. But when we pray, what is our job in that? Because you have a job when you pray. You know that? You're like, Derek, you just said release everything. What am I supposed to do, pick it up and sew it or something? I don't know. Well, let's, you want to find out what your job is when you pray? You're like, Derek, you're not answering my question. Give me a second, I'm going to. Hold your horses. You called me out, so you can wait. Mark 9, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Jesus is up on the mountain talking with some of his disciples. He's coming back down the mountain, and this is what him and some of his, a couple of his disciples encounter. You ready? When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with, with them, because that's what religious people do. Remember, we talked about that the last couple of weeks. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, because Jesus wasn't annoying. Jesus wasn't, didn't, people, people liked Jesus other than religious people. You with me? So it's not because, it's not because you're a Christian. People don't like you. No, they like Jesus. You're just probably annoying for me. People think. And they ran to greet him. What is all, what, what is all this arguing about? Like Jesus didn't know. He just catting with them. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher. I brought my son so you could heal him, but you weren't anywhere around. You ever been, felt like you've been there before? You were up on this mountain, they said, talking to your daddy. One of the men in the crowd, uh, 
uh, spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him, in, throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. How many of us have ever turned something over to something else other than Jesus? You with me? I think we, we all can sympathize with the daddy here. Because here's the deal. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Often our lack of faith prevents God from moving. Often our lack of faith prevents God from moving. That's why Jesus said what he said. Well, you faith, one translation says, you faithless generation. I don't want to be a part of a faithless generation that can't believe in the power of God to do amazing things. Like, how long must I be with you before you believe? What else do I need to do to help you believe in what I'm, a, what I'm capable of? How about this one? You know that promise in the Bible where Jesus says, greater things you will do. Like we think that what Jesus did in the Bible was all there is, and he's like, no, you're going to do some greater things, but what will it take? Faith, but we're a faithless generation. Who's afraid to see God move, to take steps. You're, often our lack of faith prevents God from doing even bigger things in me and in you. I love the story when Jesus goes to his hometown. You know what I'm talking about? And it's like, aren't you the, aren't you the carpenter's son? That lets us marry son. Remember, I wiped his butt. They lacked faith. And that's why Matthew it says, Matthew says, and because of the, of the people, the people did not have any faith, Jesus did not work many miracles there. So part of our job is to have faith that God's going to do what he said he would do. God's going to do what he said he would do. But that's not, that's part of the job, but that's not really the job that we have. Let's keep reading. And so they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into violent convulsions, and he fell to the ground, withering and foaming at the mouth. How long has he been, as long as this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's, fa asked the boy's father. And he replied, since he was a little boy. The Spirit often throws him into, fi into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can? Have you ever felt like Jesus is saying that to you? What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person, here's our job, believes. And the Father instantly cried out, I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. Doubt, there's nothing wrong with doubt. Nothing wrong with doubt. But there is something wrong with not believing. I'm going to believe it till I see it. You with me? Because at the end of the day, what is our job? When we bring something before the Savior, whether it be, whether it be 
somebody in a near-death situation or how am I going to get the money to pay this bill? Our job is to believe. And here's why. Believing is our job. The outcome is his job. Too many of us like to control too much and we want to control the outcome of something instead of just opening up our hands and releasing it to God. Believing is our job. The outcome is his. Y'all want to see what happens? When Jesus saw the crowd, of, uh, the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked this evil spirit. Listen, you spirit, that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I commend, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. This, then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. And the, the, the boy appeared to be dead. I want to stay right here for a second release something to Jesus and you, nothing's happening. It feels like it's laying dormant. You feel like your dream's dead, your goals are dead, like nothing is happening. By all appearances, God has done nothing more than to, seems to have to destroyed the very thing that you laid at his feet. And, and sometimes God needs to destroy what you lay at his feet because it's not what he had in mind for you to begin with. But here's, here's, but always, when God destroys something that was never meant for you, he always replaces it with what is supposed to be with you. But in this story, if, listen, if your goals and, your, and the things you're praying for is part of God's will, guess what? He will resurrect it. He will. No doubt about it. So the boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. Literally people say, See, God does nothing for you. I, I can't. I don't see how you really. You're going to sing that song too good to not believe, and here your dream is laying dead. It seems to be not going anywhere. It seems to be not doing anything. Yeah, you've been praying for your grandmother who's on, on her deathbed, but it doesn't look like God's healing her. You're going to keep praying, really? How can you trust that? <laughs> but Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. You faithless generation, you may have said the right words, but you didn't have faith, you didn't have hope, you didn't have belief. If you would have spent time praying and as it built your faith and built your hope and you realize that that's where you were sustained, no matter if it lays dormant or if it stands back up to its feet, it can only be cast out by prayer. Only be cast out by prayer. Many of us are facing things in life that can only be defeated with earnest prayer. And we're trying to do it in our own strength. So what does this passage tell us we should be praying for? To answer your question. Here's what you should be praying for. If you need peace, continue to pray for peace and believe you'll get it because the Father hears you. If you need guidance, keep praying for guidance, believing you'll get it because your Father hears you. And if you need healing or a miracle, keep praying for healing and a miracle, believing you'll get it because your Father hears you. And as you pray, He builds your faith. He builds your hope. He sustains you. 
But as he builds your faith, you'll come to know what he is doing in your life is too good to not believe, even if it's just for what he does in here. How do I know this? You want to know how I know this? Thanks, Joe. Go ahead. For five months, we prayed for healing. Born addicted. Was on oxygen 24-7. Looked up so many machines, hospitalized. We're like, God, we like... I remember sitting in the hospital like, God, I don't know what you're doing. Like, it's enough for us to take them in, but to deal with this, like, are you serious? Are you serious? By that time, the guy walking in the room, saying what he said to me, building my hope and my faith, because prayer builds faith and hope, and it sustains. Five months. And I remember walking into one of his doctor's visits at the Grow With Me clinic that's for addicted babies and seeing all these people coming in. We'd seen like 15 doctors that day. I didn't realize that it was going to be like a three-hour doctor visit. I think that's why Brittany sent me. I think she knew. And them just going like physical therapists, all these people coming in going, wow. Wow. Incredible. Saying that he was farther along than one where he should have been even if he was a normal baby, born not addicted. But to be a doll, the last doctor, the medical medical doctor comes in and goes, I don't know if you believe in this, and I don't know if you, if you have any, like, I don't want to offend you, but God, got big, God has big plans for this baby. And I said, well, I know. He goes, but, she goes, but you have to understand we got the test results back. There was so much meth in the placenta that he should have been a vegetable, let alone if he should have died. Look at it. Don't tell me that God can't do it. Got another one. You ready? Go to the next picture. This is baby Grayson. I call him Frankie. Ten plus years, my sister being told, you're never going to have a baby because of what, what's happened to you. I got to hold him last night, y'all. Don't you tell me God can't do it. Prayed for ten plus years. Actually, I think they were about to give up. Praying's not working. So bam! My little Frankie, his real name's Grayson. Don't call him Frankie when you see him because Jessica might get mad. Don't tell me God doesn't answer prayers. You want to know why? Go ahead and go to the next picture. So I don't know if you know this or not. Some of y'all may know this, may know this, but I mean, there's a bunch of things that. One, this is a pray, answer prayer. What's going on? But a little over two years ago, I remember going to the doctor, and because I woke up one Friday morning, because I've been having some really bad hip pain, and 
for like probably for like a year or two before that, right, babe? And I don't know, it was just that constant, like it, like it was always constant pain, but some days it was worse, some weeks it was worse, some it was just kind of mild. And, and I remember, and I remember, oh, we got a drip coming back, huh? It's all right. I remember going to the doctor and because I woke up on Friday morning peeing blood and I thought <clears throat> all week I'd been struggling all week I'd been struggling thinking that whatever it was was just my hip pain and come to find out I was just um, I was passing the kidney stone that week but while I was there I was like hey can um, can uh, can you go ahead and just do an x-ray of my hip it's been hurting for a year or two and I just I just get to the point where I just I just need it fixed. I need to figure out what I need to fix it. And so they scanned it and they, they took an X-ray and they found a spot on my on my on my upper femur. And they said the doctor comes in and says, "Hey, listen, I've never um, I've never seen this where it hasn't been. Um, I don't know what's happening, but I don't know what's happening, but." They said, I've never seen this before to where it hasn't been cancer. And I remember, I remember sitting there in the moment going, man, what's Brittany going to say? What's Brittany going to say? Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Pastor's kids. They know if they didn't do anything, they'd get a whipping. So add a cool beat to the next song, y'all. This is all coming out now and not slowly dripping over the next couple of weeks, you know what I'm saying? But I remember going, man, what's Brittany going to do? What's the kids going to do? What's this going to do? And I, in that moment, I go, God, you're going to have to do something. And so they, they scheduled, a, uh, they scheduled a, a meeting for me to go get, go get scanned. And, and so I went and got scanned, and it's clearly there. Like, it's clearly there. And they did some blood work and blah, blah, blah. And they called me and they said, "Hey, great news! You don't have you don't have cancer. This is on a Wednesday." I was like, "Oh, thank God!" Answered prayer. Saturday rolls up. I, I get to Northwest Middle School because Zane had a soccer game on a Saturday, and they called me and they said, "Hey, we need you to schedule an appointment to come in." And we looked at your test results wrong. And I go, I said, "So are you telling me I do have cancer now?" And they're like, "Oh, we're not going to tell you that over the phone. Either way, I'm good. Like, I just let me like." I kind of get the picture since you're calling me, and you told last one was you don't have cancer. If you're telling me you did the test results wrong, I probably do have cancer. So I set up an appointment, they came in, and they're like, yeah, "We're going to do some more blood work and everything, but it does appear that you have cancer, bone, whatever this bone cancer is going to be." Like, okay, so what do I need to do? What's my next step? I'm good. So what do I need to do? They said, well, next week let's go get one more scan done. So I spent a week praying went over to KOC, like the one that's far, far away, not the one that's real close, but the one that's way out there off of Pellissippi. And I don't know if I called Brittany right after I'm sitting there, and the, the doctor comes in and goes, we don't know what happened because this scan, it's there, and in this scan, it's showing, it's like, it's almost like it disappeared. I said, Okay. <laughs> Don't tell me God can't do it. Don't tell me. Don't tell me he can't do it. 
Don't tell me prayer doesn't work. But ultimately, Jesus prayed in the garden. Right before he died, he said, God, please let this cup pass for me. Please let this cup pass for me. Right? Like, why would God say, why would Jesus say that? Talking about his death. And at the end of, end of, after he said that, it's the way he said, but not my will, but your will be done. You with me? At the end of the day, we keep praying for healing. Because the Bible's clear. The Bible's clear that God wishes for no one to suffer. So we pray for healing. We pray. We keep praying earnest prayers like seeking after God for what we're asking Him for. At the end of the day, we, it's His will, not ours. His will, not ours. And I love the story of the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Before they get thrown in the fiery furnace, they get one more chance to bow down and worship and pray to something that wasn't theirs. Or they'll be turned into the fiery furnace. Here's their response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do, we do no, not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. That's belief. We believe it can happen. He will rescue us from the power. He will rescue us from your power and your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statues you have set in place. This is our version of what they just said. We will not bow to anyone else because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, all who believe receive their full healing. You know why? Because when you get to heaven, you get that new body, y'all. Every tear will be wiped away. Peace. He's like, dear God, I want my healing now. Be careful what you pray for. Because not too long ago, a family member of mine went to the altar to pray, praying for the Holy Spirit, come to find out, and was taken to heaven immediately. True story. Right, Mom and Dad? went to the altar of his church to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and wakes up in heaven. What? <laughs> Don't tell me prayer doesn't work. So be careful what you pray for. You know what I'm saying? It's like this. It's like this. Brittany's in need of a kidney. And we're praying that we get a kidney or she gets full healing. But either way, whether it be here on earth or in heaven, Brittany's getting her healing. Plain and simple. Keep praying. Keep seeking God. You want to know what to pray for? Keep praying for healing. Keep praying for peace. Because one day, you'll get it. Whether it be there or here, you'll get it. But I've seen way too much. I've seen God do way too much to not believe. God, we want to thank you so much. <coughs> for being a God that answers prayers. You are too good not to believe. I've seen you do way too much not to believe. 
So as we sing this new song, God, this next song, I pray that we sing it rejoicing. I, I say, I pray that we leave here with our hands lifted. Leave with our hands lifted because you hear us. lift our hands to believe again. That's our job is to believe. We take refuge and strength in our prayer to you.